not perfect, but it's fine. Welcome to the Founder Source uh, podcast. This is me, Mashiru Mudao, um, and here's my host. Hi, hi, everyone. Uh, nope, that was way too late, but we'll work on it. Um, so we've decided to move to a weekly format, um, mainly because there's a lot going on, and we'd rather unpack very specific subject matter in a very detailed way rather than try and cover everything um, in bits and pieces. So we'll be bringing you this podcast on a weekly basis, around 30 minutes or so of just sheer focus, obsession um, of our addiction, our affliction, the thing we love the most, which is entrepreneurship, small businesses, entrepreneurs, the startup ecosystem, startups, um, and the greatest and most amazing stories that are coming out of media, tech, finance, and business. Um, so it's going to be a really great experience. Um, we've been doing this for about a week so, so long, and um, it's been really incredible to see the reaction that people have and the deep and meaningful relationship people have with the content and going, you know, I want to understand the subject matter more. I want to see how I can apply um, to my business and my entrepreneurial journey. And it's been a really good experience. Um, Ubele, how are you feeling about the beginning of this journey? Um, it's, it's been a great journey, right? Like since we started this um, this podcast, right? The feedback has been positive. Um, I'm enjoying it, um, but I'm just I'm just tired, man. Like even today, we had a we had a call, we had a meeting, and I didn't even know this is a long weekend coming up. <laughs> like I'm I'm genuinely just um, disconnected with um, with what's happening. On the outside world but besides that i'm good i'm good and yourself yeah so i kind of feel the same right which is like does the world even exist at this point and people keep <laughs> saying um you know time is an illusion and suddenly everyone's i don't know everyone's turning into a monk right now and everyone's sort of seeing things with their third eye and it's like money doesn't exist we all agree <laughs> on its value and um time is an illusion and the days of the week are literally just like something someone came up with and suddenly um one day was tuesday and the next day was friday but um yep you know does it even matter and i think I, people I think, are, are starting to question their reality um at this yeah, point I, th- I, I think some of those things needs need to be like reconfigured like do we need five day weeks you know can you work monday wednesday and saturday <laughs> You know, so these uh, these new realities that we might be living in, um, yeah, just bring uh, up questions. That's an interesting um, thought. Like, um, what what sort of things have you started questioning around the way you lived your life um, before all of this happened and now? It's a, it's a lot, right? Like, especially like time, right? Like. Traditional nine to five is it is it necessary? It's necessary because most people it's like it's like a consensus of people work during that time. But is it necessary? Can you get you know like uh, I was reading up on another guy from from I think the company is called Basecamp, Jason Freed. He said that people are only active two hours in a day. So giving people like solid work hours nine to five, it doesn't really it doesn't you know it's not going to work, right? Like going forward, it's it's just it's just not going to work. People are comfortable, you know, working until the work is done, 
moving to a more task oriented form of working but like generally the my ideas of how we work has changed not not only the idea of working from home but generally how how people work as a society has has shifted definitely and like i'm starting to question very similar things um you know um can i do remote work you know i i i, I think this this is an amazing experiment for remote work and um contractors and stuff like that and it's been really interesting seeing um more and more opportunities start to pop up and the one that i've really noticed and um this has been a trend amongst a lot of small businesses but um this really accelerated the need for businesses to go digital and start to understand what platforms they should be playing on to try and get the customers that they want um whether it's from engagement, awareness, um, you know, acquisition standpoint, whatever it is, um, this really showed small businesses that they neglected digital for a very long time. Um, and those that were already um, competing on those platforms, they've been able to just adjust and adapt much quicker. Whereas small businesses that completely disregarded the value, um, the importance and the complete... Um, shift that digital actually offers to them um, to touch their customers, to speak to their customers, to get their customers involved, engaged, um, and part of their business. Like, they really saw the need for it right now. Um, what do you think of, of, of just how more conscious small businesses are right now around the power and value of digital? Yeah, so this period, this period has given small businesses, like, like thoughts around who actually are their real customers. So now if nobody's buying from you, right, but you still need um, support, like who can you tap into that you know is a loyal, loyal customer to your business and will buy anything that you're selling? Even if you're pivoting from selling T-shirts to selling groceries. Like now, you know, what this lockdown has allowed uh, small businesses to, to do is actually try and understand who their real customers is. Right, so on a digital platform, everybody has a sense of a of a digital profile, right? So the people or the businesses that already had digital digital footprints knew who the the customers were, right? They know who hits their their landing page. They know where they come from, how they interact with their brand, how they how they got to buying their brand, and how those those uh, customers became loyal fans. So I think I think around the idea of what you know what small businesses should do or what what um has allowed small businesses to have uh, in this period is just a general understanding who their real customer is so i think that needs to be the focus going forward cuz when everything op- like eventually opens up right you don't know who's going to if you don't know who's going to walk into the door you know you're in trouble right you don't know if that person who used to come um um, to your little corner shop there is going to come again or if that person has extended their working from home situation how can you still tap into that person and you need to find avenues and channels to really really understand or filter up filter out who your real customer is definitely and you know the one resource i always um go to when anything around this is discussed is just the classic marketing funnel right um and yeah there's different versions of it. And the one I've got here is a much simpler, simpler version. And it's something that I think we'll just post up into our Twitter um, 
our Twitter page when we actually post this episode. And it's a much simpler version, mainly because it's, it really breaks down the channels, it breaks down what a marketing funnel is and all of that. And I think um, we could just start what, what a, a marketing funnel is. Like, what do you feel it is for you, Ruben? It's, it's like, like my analogy for it is like, how, how is petrol poured into your car, right? Mm. Normally you have a funnel, you have a hole, which is your car, your, your engine, right? Whatever, wherever petrol goes into, you have a funnel, you have a pump, right? So a funnel allows you to first get a wide area of, okay, how many people know about your business down to the person that buys your business down to the person that becomes an advocate to your business. So essentially starting from a wide area of these are the, these are the people that are in my vicinity and who actually is coming in to buy or who, who, which, you know, like is the, is the, is the petrol going down into my tank? Right. That's, that's how I, I see um, the funnel, but it, it's broken down into a variety of things where you need as a small business, you need to understand, okay, which stage of, of, of the funnel is this person in so I can be able to, convert them and make that sale how uh, do you view it so really it's a frame of thinking for me which is like i understand or think i know who my target customer is and the marketing funnel is the journey to trying to get to that person um by filtering yeah. out, filtering out the as much noise um and indecision in between right so you're starting at a very very big pool of people so um the one i have up here which is the one we're going to share really describes the marketing funnel into a into a, a glass more than a funnel, right? So it starts mm-hmm. off cold at the top, which is really focused uh, on brand awareness, right? Which is like mm-hmm. just overall you're targeting a large base of people, just trying to get them to understand what you, who you are, what you do, um, what's the value that you offer, where you're based, um, how you deliver that value. Just very simple, straightforward things, um, which is around traffic so just getting as much traffic as possible and then trying to filter out leads from that so this you'd use mainly like facebook ads google ads um search engine optimization blog posts possibly even podcasts um that sort of stuff and then you go down um into the lead generation phase which is more the warm part of things right so this is people that already have shown interest they're not just you know whoever um you could catch but mainly people that have gone you know what i'm interested in this product i want to know more um i want to find out what more is here um what more can i learn um is this product you know there's already a consideration element like maybe i really want this um you know how 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 does it work you know tell me more it's more of that warm face so that's when um you've got the right prospects right so it's gone from leads to actual prospects people that are going look tell me more um i want to learn more i want to understand more and those mainly are people that are already clicking onto your website's landing pages um people that are really um being targeted in your email marketing people that are on your facebook page they've liked the page or something like that or even just retargeting um on social media whether it's facebook or google and then the last part of it is really um the customer nurturing or um where someone's completely in um and now they've signed up and all of that so this is a very simple version um well i know you've got a more detailed one what what's that one about yeah. so, so mine my, my final 
is split up into two stages, right? Essentially two stages with different um, components of the funnel. On the left side, I have the sales funnel, basically from how the the customer or the, the, the prospect hears about your, your product down to to them purchasing, down to them being being loyal and becoming advocates of the product, right? So number one would be awareness. So how how do you you know how did you hear about the product? Probably might be just social media, might be a referral, um, it might just be organic, right? Where where SEO comes in, like, and then discovery, right? You that that falls into the business's point of view. So how does the business qualify that prospect to turn that prospect into a lead, right? So you need to dis. The prospect defines what they're looking for. Okay, probably this page is not what I want. Let me go to, let's say you have an online shop. This t-shirt is not what I want. This t-shirt is um, not what I want. I might want that handbag. They take that handbag, they put it into a cart, right? So that person is now, has defined what they want in terms of being a prospect and now they lead. Now it moves over to making um, that evaluation, right? Making an offer. You make an offer to say, Hey, this thing costs hundred bucks. Here's a discount of five uh, percent. Now it costs ninety five rand. Can you, you know, that's falling into the negotiation and proposal part, right? You've already made the sale proposal of the sale. They, you know, now you're negotiating um, the purchase and then the final uh, formalities. If they buy it, they check out everything. It's done. You close the deal, and then it falls to the last aspect where loyalty okay how do you get that person to be a repeat buyer how do you get that person to tell their friends about your products so they can also come so now you have to have a loyalty program you have to have a referral program probably give that customer discounts on on future purchases similar to what um uh most companies do right if you sign up on uber eats they'll probably give you a referral code if somebody use your referral code you get a discount similar to Airbnb, similar to most sites. Right? So that's a, essentially a loyalty program. So just understanding where the customer is or the prospect is on the, on the pipeline stages is, is imperative for you as a, as, a, as a business to essentially know who that customer is and know how to bring more of that customer into your shop. So that's, that's basically my version of it yeah and look right so there's many different ones right and with each one the the common theme is really um a simple thing right what you're starting with is a base where you're trying to target say um five million people and you really want them to focus on your specific product so you're really just filtering out process so going from awareness to interest to consideration to evaluation decision purchase repeat loyalty advocacy and just continuing to do that until you build enough of a of a customer base um to make your this, business sustainable and i, I want to talk about something right Mesh. yeah like with this because i suppose this wouldn't apply to every to every business right um some businesses target other businesses some businesses target consumers some businesses target businesses that target consumers which is b2b2c right so like how how would you frame if um let's say let's say you are let's say you are, you have a digital agency right um you you target you target corporates you target brands right how would 
this sales funnel work for a person who is in that particular field? Like, how do you go from prospecting to qualifying to making a sale to making them loyal? Like, how do you adapt the, the funnel to different stages or different types of businesses? That's my question. Yeah. Um, I, I think with each process, especially with something like this, um, it's not going to be really with anything in business. Um, it's never going to be a one-size-fits-all sort of situation, right? And the way a, a restaurant operates versus a hair and beauty um, business um, operates might be similar in just like um, them being consumer facing and stuff like that, but the way they target might be different. And these are the sorts of questions that we really need to start answering for small businesses, mainly because um, we've moved past the point where um, they can afford to not think about these things. Um, it doesn't matter the size of your business, the work that your business is doing, and all those different things. What really, really matter, what really, really matters is whether or not you are reaching enough of your base, of the of the customers that you actually need to be reaching, and the people that could actually buy your product, the people that really need what you are actually offering, and whether it's it's using um, the social platforms, um, Facebook, Instagram, the most typical of them, whether you're using search, which is um, mainly Google, um, whether you're using email marketing um, through Chip. Uh, MailChimp and stuff like that, whether you're building a community online through Facebook groups or something like that, all of it is really about how much more can you filter um, the mass amount of people that you're most likely speaking to right down granular, as granular as possible to the person that really, really, really um, fits your target market. Who is that one person? And I think it, it influences the way you target on social media, the way you speak on social media, the way you position your brand, tell your story. Um, all those things matter when it comes to really speaking to that one person that you know needs the value that you're trying to offer at the price that you're trying to offer it and trying to make sure that you're really the first person there when they need that specific service. And I think um, using stuff like Facebook um, ads and Instagram ads is a really great resource. And having stuff like a Facebook blueprint, which is literally a platform where you can go onto there and learn each and every part of Facebook ads, how to build um, Facebook pages, how to run ads, you know, how to manage communities, all those different things. You can learn that stuff, go onto those platforms and start to use them almost immediately. And that's the thing that I think a lot of small businesses sort of misunderstand. They always think, you know, it's, it's something that bigger businesses should be doing. I think yeah. every single business, even freelancers right now should be building out their own Facebook pages and marketing themselves as a business. Say, hey, look, I do design work. I do some writing. Um, I come and record podcasts in your home. Whatever it is, I am on the other side waiting um, to help, to serve. And this is the value that I have to offer. That way of going, you know, my customers will somehow find me. It's not going to work anymore. And it's a really, really big shift that a lot of small businesses need to make. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I understand, like, for Facebook is still probably the best place to, to prospect. Like, people who are on Facebook tend to buy more. That's, that's a, that's a proven data fact, right? Um, Instagram is becoming a big one right now. People on Instagram are there to look at other people's lives, but they're there to to sort of take away something from the, from the from the for, for themselves. Let's say from for instance, right? 
there are certain segments of Instagram which are, are popular. You know, have your health and fitness. Um, you have your your makeup and beauty. Um, you know, you have your your sneaker culture. Like the certain the certain sections where you know you can tap into as a as a as a small business doing retail, for instance. Even food food culture is becoming bigger now, right? So these platforms exist so small businesses can tap into it. It's easier, like it's easier to market now than it was, let's say, ten to fifteen years ago. That's a that's that's a fact. Like it's just a, a matter of you know tapping into these existing channels in order for you to prospect and widen your pool of potential customers. Absolutely. That's 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 how I see it, right? Um, like this week you really got into to bots uh, for WhatsApp. Do you, would you like to talk about that? Yeah, so I've been looking at Do you think it's a good channel? So I think it's a good channel mainly um, for after sales, not necessarily um, for acquisition. Um, I can see how it can work though. Like um, if I was, you know, um, if something was for sale and there was a WhatsApp line I could contact and just directly just message, hey, um, you know, what is the product? Um, how does it work? You know, um, can you deliver? What time can you deliver? And I can ask all these different questions. Um, it would be amazing. Um, I think it could definitely be able to affect the way people interact with brands and small businesses. And I really think um, it's an underrated channel on its own. And there's also, again, on Facebook Blueprint, um, you can learn how to use WhatsApp uh, business and, and stuff like that. But this bot specific stuff is really interesting. Um, it, it is just starting out though. There's not that many. Um, I've seen a few businesses start to do this where they have a WhatsApp line and when you text it, you can, it, it, it has automatic replies that tell you certain things and mm-hmm. you sort of just go through the journey of what the prompts are. And it feels very much like the US, USSD stuff where, you know, star, yeah. whatever, whatever, and then you press one and then it gives you more information. You press something, you, it gives you more information. It's pretty much the similar thing. Um, it's much better for managing, um, clients, whether from the beginning or to the end, but I definitely think it's one of those things that's right before the purchasing, um, decision is made, right? It's not necessarily yeah. something that's gonna, um, attract masses of amount of people. So I think it's the thing that that's right before you get someone onto, um, whatever product or service you have. And I think there's real value somewhere there where, um, someone can interact with your brand in a very real and, 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 and a personal space as well. I think, um, mm. with Facebook pages and stuff like that, you, there's still a level of, um, an anonymity or just like a distance. Whereas WhatsApp is yeah. a very like, that's someone's phone number. And I think if someone starts off a relationship with a brand or a small business by giving them the one thing that a lot of people are very secretive about, you know, a phone number is a very big deal. So I think, um, yeah. if someone starts a relationship with a brand from that standpoint, like they are very, very likely to convert. But more than that, they're more likely to become advocates and, you know, loyal and stuff like that. But on the flip side, there's also the element of if you, if you don't do it well, um, it is something that can go horribly well, horribly bad. And mm-hmm. it can turn, it can turn really, really ugly because if someone can, you know, screenshot a conversation they had with a brand, which is something that happens a lot. And if the, yeah, that happens a lot with Instagram, right? Yeah, exactly. With Instagram. Um, but yeah, the boutique shops. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think it's a good channel. And like, I think, um, Instagram has been doing such insane work, right? Just to change their platform to become way more facing towards businesses or entrepreneurs. Um, do you, mm-hmm. do you have thoughts around the stuff they've done, especially around ads and then the next step being like possibly becoming the, sh- the biggest storefront in the world where anyone can sell anything from anywhere? Yeah, I, I know they were testing a checkout functionality. I know certain brands have it. Like, you know, you know how most of these big brands like um, Daniel Wellingtons and, and stuff were built off of the back of uh, following on Instagram. Like, I, I think they start, they, they were testing out something. But there is a checkout functionality where you can, where you can shop directly from Instagram. And I, I think it diverts you to the store itself. But they really have, like, picked up their weight in terms of uh, assisting small businesses who, are, who really have a big or who have a following on Instagram. Like now, like the idea that we really, we've been talking about is that commerce happens everywhere, right? Um, I think, I think you read an article, we read an article this week about um, direct to consumer brands uh, on Medium, right? Where essentially now um, e-commerce is just a channel, right? It it doesn't necessarily mean that you you, you only need to focus on it. Like we're not saying, you know, close down your store and sell online, but we're just saying open up the avenues for you to reach uh, a bigger customer base, right? That's that's the all that's all we're saying. And they, like these channels exist. WhatsApp, I like the idea of WhatsApp because it makes it very personal. I like the idea of. Um, uh, of uh, Instagram for brand awareness, I like the idea of Twitter for making the the business have its own personality. Like all these channels exist, and if you if you can find a way to make them uniform and incorporate them into um, the business itself, you know you will be in good standing moving forward. Yeah, and I also think um, a lot of customers really appreciate that. So I really really appreciate it. When um, the small business that I'm buying from um, has an active presence on Instagram, on Twitter, on, on on Facebook, so I can interact with it as much as possible, so I can check and it helps for reviews, right? Exactly, like it helps exactly because it helps with community community building. You know, if um, if a, a brand posts whatever they're selling on Instagram, the comment section is open. You can see what people are saying about the brand, right? It helps. It helps building the i hate the connotation but like a cult following right um i I i listened recently to um a youtube youtube video on on by y combinator about another guy who was saying that you know don't build a blog build a cult right essentially you know build a following that like like try (laughs) i wouldn't say try like I wouldn't say try be like Beyonce, but you know, like how Beyonce's <laughs> brand is. <laughs> that is definitely a cult. I have no you know, shame or worry in saying that that following right. is a cult. And I think it goes down. So it's something that I really keep thinking about is everyone talks about marketing, everyone talks about branding, but no one ever talks about community. And like, um, you're starting to see brands start taking um, very strong stands on different political, social issues, environmental issues, economic issues, and mainly because they've decided, you know what, it's better to build out community, a cult, uh, 
you know, a congregation of people that think of your brand as part of who they are, um, part of yeah. their identity, part of what resonates in their life as, as part of something bigger than themselves. And I think it's really, yeah, really it's- important to become that sort of brand. Like not just, okay, here you're a service provider, you become way more, which is, um, people are starting to use the word movement a lot more which is like, I want to be part of a movement. I'm not just buying a service from you. I'm not just buying a product from you. I want to be part of something bigger than me. What are you offering that I can buy into in that sense? Yeah. Funny enough, Mesh, there there is a company called Movement Watches in America, right? The whole idea was that they, they're building a brand for the layman, like the guy who doesn't, who can't, who doesn't want to buy a Rolex and possibly can't buy a Rolex, but they still want a luxury watch. So they built essentially a movement around that, you know, re, you know referring to the courts itself and like building a movement, right? And there's another brand that I like called Gymshark in, um, in the UK, where essentially the guy was a, like, he was a little kid who wanted to be a bodybuilder who looked up to these YouTube stars who were fitness um, influencers and he wanted to build um, a sort of like a brand for those type of people. And he tapped into that whole market of fitness where now Gymshark is this just huge, gigantic company that makes 300 million US dollars a year simply by tapping into a market where you can build a, a company from a community-based approach instead of building it from a product-based approach, which is which is essentially important now. Like if you can, if you can build a community, you can build a product. Like think about how Kylie Jenner became a billionaire. She didn't start selling lip kits before before being a a, a Snapchat star. She started by being a Snapchat star, and then she, then she started selling. Um, lip kits right so like the now i think brands and businesses are like especially retail ones are rethinking the ideas of building companies from a product point of view to building companies from a community-based approach which which is something we, we can talk into or have a separate podcast because i know you have like you your knowledge on community-based approaches on on building businesses are like vast and i think people would benefit from that idea of or that that knowledge that you have um on on building communities yeah so i think it's something that we really need to think about right and think about a lot and like you can find all these resources we always make sure that the resources are on um our website um so you can go on to find a source source um not as a source of hope even (laughs) though we hope to be um but source like the tomato sauce and um you can go on to foundersource.com um we have a host of of resources from marketing resources to branding resources to digital marketing resources um courses that you can possibly take in order to learn a lot more about digital marketing and see how much more um you could possibly explore as a small business owner um to adapt to this new reality where people are going online and that's becoming you know where they actually live and that's the one thing this lockdown is teaching me is we right now exist only online. Um, we are in our homes yeah. and in our private spaces only exist in that sense um, with the people we are with. But otherwise, we all exist online. And that's... Think about it. You, in, you interact with a bunch of people every day. Some haven't seen you in 
in in a month or two, <laughs> yeah. right? Yep. But they but they know that you exist and they feel connected to you. Like I feel that is like what that's that's important. Like you know that's important. Like you probably have family that are far away from you who are now discovering the importance of, uh, you know, talking to you every day just to check up on you, right? Because you know being isolated in this situation is not is not very conducive for mental health like, you know the, i understand the your your ideas around um, um everybody having or living in a digital world yeah and i think combining that digital world with a community based approach um that's really about beca- people becoming part of something bigger than themselves those those tools are really really going to be a defining element of just like the next chapter of how small businesses navigate um the environment that they 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 exist in and the target market that they the people that they're targeting as well um Ubele, do you have yeah. any closing thoughts i do do how many records do you think tory lanes is gonna sell for his next album is that he, because he used <laughs> he built he, he he built a community. He built a community, definitely built, bu- and that community was loyal, you know, completely. A quarantine radio was a massive hit, right? That's that's what we're talking about when you say you're building a community, being consistent in whatever you do. People will be loyal and will listen to your message. That's that's my closing thought, right? Yeah. It's definitely going to be a big shift and I'm excited to see what that looks like. Um, thank you so much for listening. Again, look on foundersource.com um, for the resources that we've put up for entrepreneurs, for small businesses, for startups and for creators. Um, it would be really amazing just to see um, how people use that platform and what we've built. Um, we plan on adding a lot more resources and tools onto there um, as we go on, as we grow on. Um, Hope you're keeping well. Um, stay safe, stay strong, um, and enjoy the lockout if that's even possible. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. <laughs> Cheers, man. <laughs>